The Rangers' playoff hopes are hanging by a thread, but boy, their grip is tight. After winning seven of their last 10 games, the team is in the home stretch, which begins with a crucial home-and-home series against the Islanders. We'll dive into the final six games of the season with the post's Larry Brooks. And our special guest this week is the Maven himself. The legendary Stan Fischler joins the pod to preview the pivotal games ahead with the Isles. All that and more is next on a Can the Rangers Actually Sneak Into the Playoffs edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. The blue shirts are still alive. Larry Brooks will join us later in the show in his usual spot. Our special guest this week is friend of the program, the Maven, and Molly intern for him, Stan Fischler. You can subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Your host, of the show are the aforementioned New York Post's own Molly Walker and Rangers great number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, thank you, Jake. And yes, we're back. We're back for another week, another week of talking hockey. And we have a level of excitement because, yes, we have the Maven Stan Fistler on with us today, who's always so insightful with all of what he knows. And he'll go back to the 40s and 30s, and he gives us a lot of good stuff. And Molly, of course, has a good relationship with him. But when I say we're back, we are back on the wagon. As of last week, we had given up on the Rangers. Didn't look so good. They lost to the Islanders 6-1. Molly and I and Larry were just kind of down and out thinking, well, this is it. But what happened? They keep winning. And so now we're back. The Rangers play the Islanders tonight, and they play them on Saturday, and they're only five points out. So we are believing that possibly there's a chance that if they win the next two, get within one point, you never know what happens. You really never know. And Stan will share with us some of the teams have come back in past histories, some of them being New York Rangers. So, Molly, we may have egg on our face if we can go on and win these next two games. We have serious egg on our face. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. You and I were really down in the dumps last week. Want to send out our sincerest apologies to all the Rangers fans because the Blue Shirts have done just about as well as they could have this past stretch. You know, they have won seven of their last 10 games, including a 6 and 0 record against the eliminated teams in the Devils and Sabres. It's cliche, but I feel like the Rangers have really bought into this notion of not looking ahead, taking it a game at a time. Because once you start thinking about the long-term implications and what you'll have to do eventually, you'll knock yourself right out of focus and lose the battle that's in front of you. So the Rangers have done the complete opposite of that and have focused on what's been in front of them. And here's a really fun stat for everybody listening at home. Since March 13th, the Rangers are tied for second in the NHL in wins with a 16-6-3 record, tied for first in points with 35, 
and they rank first in goal differential with a plus 39. They also rank second in goals per game with 3.96 and power play efficiency with 29%. And they are fourth in goals against per game at 2.40, which that's pretty amazing. You know, the Rangers have been pretty amazing over this stretch. They've done what they needed to do. The 6-1 to loss to the Islanders seemed to be a backbreaker and then a pretty bad loss to the Flyers the next game, but they came back with three strong efforts, one against Philly and two against Buffalo. So you and I just need to eat our words, Ron, and see what comes next. <laughs> What's come about last game against the Islanders, uh, Martin takes out Truba, takes out – that door closes there for Truba. He's suffering, uh, we're assuming, a concussion. But in comes – Zach Jones from UMass, someone you're very familiar with. So how would you assess his game so far? I've really liked his play so far, and I've liked the fact that David Quinn has had him on the second power play. And now we all know that the second power play barely touches the ice, but it's a good place for him to start considering he absolutely thrived on the power play at UMass. So it's a comfortable spot for him. He had an assist in the first game against the Sabres on the 25th, which was his first NHL point. So always great to get that out of the way. He's probably not thinking about it any longer. He'll be good to go once he gets his first goal. So hopefully that'll be on the horizon for him and he can really just start focusing on integrating himself into the team further than he already has. And the interesting part of Zach Jones being in the lineup is how it's affected the rest of the decor, in my opinion. Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox have been double shifting with each other and then with Jones and Hayek because David Quinn has been trying not to put Jones and Hayek on the ice at the same time, which is completely understandable. They're two very inexperienced players, and Hayek has had his dips and had his issues in his play. So I understand why Quinn wouldn't want that to happen, but it has kind of put an increased workload on Lingren and Fox. And I actually asked David Quinn the other day about this, if he was at all concerned about burning out Lindgren and Fox. And he very bluntly was just like, yes. like he And you could tell he was pretty disappointed in himself and how some of the recent games have gone so far, just absolutely riding Lindgren and Fox. And they need to be at full strength for this stretch coming up. And another fun thing about Zach Jones is he's drawn a lot of comparison to Adam Fox, who has suddenly willed himself into the Norris Trophy conversation. The other day, Brendan Smith said Zach Jones had a, has a bit of a quote-unquote foxy skill. So that was a, that's a new term that we're throwing around here, and Zach Jones has earned it. So all, all good so far. Yeah, from what I'm seeing in Zach Jones, because I, I, I look at players under pressure when they're having to make a play under pressure, how they go, how they compete one-on-one, they're sneaky or not, how they make plays. And I got to tell you, there's a level of calmness to his game because I see it in his hands. He stay he stays calm. So he'll make little short passes. Uh, he'll go for the long pass when when the opportunity's there. So he's making good decisions. So it's, it's telling you the the kid has when he's watching Fox, he says I can be just like him, and he's similar. His style of play is very similar to Fox. And when you talk about defensemen getting a lot of ice time, I know many defensemen that will tell you that they can't get enough ice time. Like more the better. Like you think they're tired. Because what happens as the puck goes up the ice, they'll just get off the ice. So it's just a shorter shift for them. For them to keep going on and off the ice, they prefer that. A lot of these guys prefer They don't like going 6 and 7D. They love going 5D. Now, of course, you got to give them the time off. But a lot of defensemen perform better 
with more quality ice time. So I'm not surprised. And I know Coach is worried about that. But when you look at Fox, he never looks tired. He never looks tired. If he's a little tired, he gets off the ice and he's ready to go again. So anyways, um, looking forward to tonight's game and next two games. I'm encouraged. What I'm seeing out of the Islanders as there's a, a level of lack of confidence in scoring because they have not been scoring. And so when you think about that, uh, their game is really going to be about defense and trying to shut the Rangers down. So for the Rangers, it's going to be important this time versus last game where they didn't have a good start. Tonight, first 10 minutes, they got to set the pace. They got to set the tone. And if they can just get that first goal and set the Islanders back on their heels, that will make a difference. But I, I'm having a belief and I'm going to believe I'm going to get out of that <laughs> negative hole that the Rangers I take can win. Partial, I take partial credit. I guess not credit. I guess the blame for sinking you down further with me into that yeah. hole of negativity. So my apologies for that. Yeah. But from what you've seen from the Islanders, because they haven't been consistent, do you believe the Rangers, the way they're playing right now, can beat the Islanders the next two? If they were ever going to have a better chance – it's right now. Like while the Islanders are kind of struggling, they're kind of on a bit of a free fall here. This is the time for the Rangers to strike. The Islanders have held the edge over the Rangers so far this season with wins in four of their six meetings, including two shutouts, but they did lose one to nothing to the first place Capitals Tuesday night and are now 0-2-1 in their last three and 2-4-1 in their past seven. The interesting part of all this is the Islanders have been so strong nearly all season. And since acquiring Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak from the Devils at the trade deadline, they've kind of lost their touch. They're four, five, and one in the 10 games since that trade. And I know the Islanders are very chemistry oriented. So this has broken up their lines and losing Anders Lee hasn't been good for them either. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more with the one and only Stan Fischler in a little bit. So I'll probably cut it off here and let him take the reins. Oh, listen, uh, Mr. Met didn't give up on, on the Rangers last week. I was here. I was cheering him on. Uh, Mr. Met. Mr. Met, my big bald head. I was, I was saying they're still alive. Guys, I think the issue might be is other teams losing with the Islanders having, you know, it's going to be Rangers fans for Devils and Rangers fans for Sabres the rest of the way. The Bruins with two against the Sabres and two against the Devils. The Islanders with two against the Sabres and two against the Devils. So, you know, a lot of scoreboard watching. Hell, I was at the Mets game scoreboard watching on Tuesday night. I was like, come on, Bruins, lose, lose, lose. Um, so a lot of scoreboard watching. And uh, you got to believe is a famous Mets phrase. That's what Rangers fans have to hold on to. So rock the garden on Thursday against the Islanders. Because if you take that first one, you know the barn is going to be rocking in Long Island on Saturday. And you said it. Coming up next, it is the Maven, Stan Fischler, right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Our special guest this week means the absolute world to me. He gave me my first internship during my sophomore year of college. I did everything for him from type of his articles to dusting his Emmys in his New York City apartment. He has done everything in hockey from serving as the Rangers publicist during the 1954-55 season to covering the sport in either print or broadcast for over 60 years, some of which was with MSG. 
and author of many books, he is best known as the Hockey Maven, as he could tell you everything and anything you need to know about the sports history. And if you ever need to smile, he's always there with a quick joke. He retired from broadcasting in 2019, but that hasn't slowed him down one bit. You can still read his work through his Java Jive newsletter, which runs Tuesday through Friday, and the iconic Fischler Report, which comes out every Monday. Please welcome my first mentor, Stan Fischler. Stan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, with an introduction like that, I am overwhelmed. <laughs> Good. Happy I could do you some justice. Um, you know, Stan, can you recall a set of Rangers Islanders games during the regular season that had carried the amount of magnitude that this upcoming set has for these current teams? Well, playoff games were always uh, tremendous when the, you know, when the Islanders uh, were running wild with their dynasty. The games themselves, even though the Islanders were the cup champs or defending, the Rangers were always giving them a, a very, very good run. And except for the 80-81 uh, season when they swept them, but the 84 series is considered by many people one of the greatest series of all time. And we all know what happened, uh, that siding game. Islanders are leading by one Donnie Maloney ties it with a questionable high stick. It's very funny because as a ranger, Donnie told me that it was legal. And when he came to the Islanders as GM, it became illegal. But, you know, the overtime, that overtime game was fabulous. The Rangers had about three phenomenal chances to uh, win the game. Billy Smith was out of his mind. And uh, Kenny Morrow, the Olympic hero who... Uh, Kenny Morrow scored a lot of uh, very uh, timely goals in his career. He doesn't get the credit for it. But that was a phenomenal game. And, uh, you know, you can uh, – uh, there, there were so many. I, I remember uh, you know, there, there were fights. A lot, of, a lot of, you know, people – some people frown on fights. But, you know, when you look at the history of hockey, there were so many classics. In fact, one, one of the greatest I ever saw was at the Old Garden with Gordie Howe and Lou Fontanato. So, let's face it, I got to tell you, Molly, I, I wrote a book with Zach Weinstock called Rivalry, and it's all about the Rangers Islanders rivalry going back to the beginning. It's considered one of the greatest rivalries anywhere in sports, certainly uh, one of the best in the city. Shifting to the current Islanders, they have seemingly lost their touch since acquiring Palmieri and Zajac. What have you seen on that front? Why has the team kind of loosened up in their last 10 games here? And is this a good time as any for the Rangers to strike? Well, first of all, what happened last year when they got Peugeot, it takes a while for some guys to fit into a system and uh, actually, Peugeot didn't fit in really until the uh, you know the season got stopped, and then when he when he came back, he uh, he was a much much significant player with the team. Situation now with two new guys is uh, they're in the kind of situation that Peugeot was in for the certainly for the sake of the team. Uh, they better get going pretty pretty soon because the Rangers. Rangers right now are uh, learning on a hot streak. And I, I wrote in uh, my uh, Java Jive a few times that uh, they are not a team to rule out. You know, I go back to some of the great 
pennant races in 42. The Cardinals were eight games behind Brooklyn Dodgers in August. Looked like it was over. And the Cards started to win and win and win. And Dodgers were winning, but the Cardinals didn't know how to lose. And they wound up winning the uh, pennant in the last week of the season. So uh, what's going to be is uh, the uh, next couple of games are uh, like playoff games. I mean, serious, serious stuff. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, when the uh, when the Islanders beat the Rangers in the last game, it looked like, uh, well, this is the end of the Rangers. But uh, they've been very resilient. You look at their one-loss record right now, the last bunch dozen games. Good. They're good. But you know what? You know what, Molly? This is what all about. This is it. This is the excitement. The excitement that we have in the home stretch. You know, it, I guess that's why I'm excited now. You got me going. <laughs> Hey, hey, Stan, it's Ron here, and, and I never get bored listening to you. You and I go way back, and I would love to know, like, tonight the rivalry continues, but part of what's created a good rivalry this year was the format. Teams playing against each other often, eight games. Do you like this format, and would you suggest going into next year that they do something similar? Well, I, I would never tell Gary Bettman what to do. Because he's a smart <laughs> cookie, but but uh, you know this is a unique. This is a very. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, hockey during World War II. It's totally different. The stars were away, or most of them, and it was a different kind of hockey. But it was great hockey. It was great hockey because it was hockey and it was close and all that and all that. But the uh, the thing is, we're in a situation, Ron, that's unique, but it's also very exhausting. And, uh, you know, you take a team like Dallas. They were knocked for a loop. They were counted out. Some people were saying they ought to forget about the season. Said that about Vancouver. And look at Dallas now. They're, you know, they're neck and neck with Nashville. But the compressed season on these guys has been very difficult. Not to mention the fact that, they, you know, they've had to deal, deal with the protocols and all that. I say this is a this is a one shot. Now, the Canadians, some Canadians would love to see Canadian division, and uh, you know these are things that are going to be worked out after the season is over. None of these things are locked in stone that you know you can't do it again. But it's setting up a lot of worthwhile discussion. I'll tell you this, it's going to be the, the guys after this season are going to need a good rest. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Back to your point, it's very, very exciting. I mean, look at the, what's, you know, Rangers Island, there's two games coming up. Very, very decisive. So, Stan, because um, our listeners are a lot of Ranger fans, they would love to hear from you on what you're seeing on this Ranger team as far as what you're seeing their strength and possible weakness trying to finish the season off and trying to make the playoffs. Well, the uh, the strength is they're uh, young. They have a lot of vigor and vitality. And they've got obvious stars. I mean, uh, Adam Fox is uh, an Oz Trophy uh, candidate, a real one, and he's only in his second year. And you've got the uh, top draft choices of the year. I mean, uh, these guys, uh, if you had to say what was decisive, it was the uh, absence of uh, the bread man. And, uh, it was a very unfortunate circumstance. But the point is, the team is pretty well gelled now. We don't know whether they're gelling too late because we'll find out in the next two weeks or so. But they've, uh, if there's a weakness, I'd say it's inexperience. 
particularly on defense. That would be the one uh, the one area. I mean, they can score like crazy. They've got a good coach. Good coach. He's handled the uh, – he put the young guys in difficult situations, and uh, we're seeing what's happening now. It's a, a very dynamic uh, hockey club. And as I said, if, you, if I would look anything about them right now that's uh, a little soft, it would be the inexperience. Stan, that was a pretty controversial statement you just made. Uh, I know a lot of Ranger fans are not that big of a fan of head coach David Quinn. So I'm I'm curious, what, what makes you think that he has done a really good job with this uh, young Ranger squad? Well, I'm uh, surprised at what you tell me. I certainly don't, uh, would not deny it, but I, I would be there. First of all, I met the guy when he got the gig, and I liked what I saw in his personality. That's number one. I think that he, as I said before, one of his thoughts is the fact that he's not afraid to use young guys and put them in tough situations to learn what the business is all about. I don't know what the gripe against him is. Maybe you can tell me he had a tough thing to get to meld these guys together. There were a lot of uh, different episodes that were uh, challenging. As far as I'm concerned, he's handled handled them well. And I mean... uh, I mean, how could I knock a guy who liked my jokes? <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need, right, Sam? <laughs> that's my... That's, well, what's more important than less, right? <laughs> I mean, he laughed. The only thing is he la- he, la- he laughs with a Boston accent. That annoys me. Oh, that I'm must kidding. kill you. <laughs> no, I'm only, ki- I'm only kidding. I love uh, I like this guy. I like the guy. What can do? I like him. Stan, moving forward and getting getting into the playoffs, because I know you're informed on most of the teams. If we were to ask you to give a prediction on the two teams are going to end up in the finals, who would those two teams be? Well, I uh, certainly would go with Vegas out west and Lightning. And I say the Lightning because my theory always has been never been against the champion. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they got one superstar coming back. That's like an acquisition you got out of uh, heaven. And they're very strong in goal. It's not unusual for a team that wins the cup to have a bit of a, uh, you know, a hangover going into the next season. But I certainly like, uh, I like the, uh, what I see there. Very good coach. In fact, Cooper reminds me of Quinn. Uh, a lot. Although when Cooper laughs at my jokes, he does it in Long Island days, which is not, not <laughs> That's too bad a little bit either. better. <laughs> but 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 you know the other the other interesting team is Carolina. The Ranger fans know all about what Carolina can do. But I'm I'm going with uh, Vegas and the Lightning. Stan, it's Jake here. We got to go back to close it out to a young Molly, you know, a young, young. She's still young, but a young Molly as an intern. She's bringing up sweeping your Emmys and, and writing for you. Can you uh, share some memories of young Molly, the intern? Oh, God. Yeah, Molly, uh, Molly arrived. Uh, Molly arrived and uh, she was very quiet. She was very quiet. Uh, shocking. Uh, very shocking. Like she, <laughs> Now she's a chattermouth. Well, she well, whatever, whatever. But I don't know why or what. But you know, she was discreet. She was uh, trying to figure out, I guess, what was going on there. She took whatever assignment 
I gave her, and I never asked her to clean Miami. I don't mean. Oh, that, you, that, liar. <laughs> <laughs> you liar! You liar! You know, she uh, she was very serious. She obviously, as we used to say in Brooklyn, she knew her onions. She knew what she. Uh, it always when I come to that kind of thing, it reminds me of a great scene. I was sitting next to Neil Smith when Alexei Kovalev was with the Rangers. Alexei Kovalev at that time liked to stretch a one-minute stint on the ice into five and drive Keenan crazy. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting with Neil Smith, and Kovalev was extending, extending his time on the ice. And Neil turns to me, and he says, "That guy doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it." And with Molly. She got it. She had. She got it, and that's why she is where she is today. And I'm not going to tell any more jokes. Or maybe I should. Yeah, tell. <laughs> let's let's close it out with a joke. We need a joke, Stan, before we yeah, let you go. Come on, give us a good one. I may have told this before. A guys walking down Fifth Avenue, arm in arm with two live penguins. On the same time, Chris Cathedral cop goes over to me and says, "You know, you can't do that. I can give you a summon." Guy says, why? He says, you can't do it. You got to take those five penguins to the Bronx Zoo now. Otherwise, they give you a ticket. So the guy jumps in the cab and he takes the penguins to the Bronx Zoo. Next day, the cops are on the beat in front of St. Patrick's. And a car pulls up to a red light at 5th Avenue and 50th. Cop looks and sees the car. There's the same guy as yesterday. And the two penguins are sitting in the back seat. Only the penguins are wearing sunglasses now. Cop goes over to the guy. He says, what the heck are you doing? I thought I told you to take those penguins to the Bronx Zoo. Guy says, I did, and they loved it. Now we're going to Coney Island. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, they just get better and better, Stan. (laughs) It's always a pleasure, Stan. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us before you head to bed over there in Israel. Remember to read Stan's newsletters, Java Jive, and the official report. We'll chat again soon, Stan. Thanks. Thank you, kids. Bye. Joining us next is our New York Post Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his stories in the Post and at nypost.com. Larry, by the time this episode will come out, everybody listening will know who will be in net for the matchup with the Islanders Thursday night. But who do you think it should be and why? Well, are you sure everybody's going to (laughs) know? Honestly, you're 100% right. You can never, you know, sometimes save a credit to do that. (laughs) Well, actually, the only time I can recall that David has declined to name his goaltender in advance was a game against the Islanders this year. You know, I wonder if there's a bit of gamesmanship that could be involved because, you know, that Barry Trotz never names his goaltender or, you know, rarely names his goaltender. So, but not to avoid your question, I would play Alex. I think when a player, a goaltender has exhibited such dominance against an opponent and especially against this one, that, that's where I would go. I, he plays with supreme confidence against them. He always elevates. I mean, he's had, he's had like maybe one 
off game against them in his career. He started nine times. He was the goaltender who won their first game at Barclays after they had gone, you know, three or four years, whatever it was, without winning in Brooklyn. He always, essentially always rises to the occasion. And I think if coaches or managers in any sport apply past performance against an opponent as, as a guideline, then this is the time to do it. Uh, listen, you can go with Shesterkin with tomorrow night. Shesterkin could come up with a great game, and this is not an issue. And I understand. Igor Shesterkin's their number one goaltender. He's playing very, very well. But he hasn't played especially well against the Islanders this year. He hasn't beaten them in four start. And I think this is just the time where you say, look, we have, we have a player who is unnaturally good against this one opponent. Maybe he gets into their heads. I don't know what it is, but I know that he has the numbers. And so I would go with Georgiev. Swing back to, we just had a conversation with Stan Fischler, a man that uh, Molly knows very well. She interned with him. She loves the man. (laughs) I was around him back in 1977 when I started with the Rangers. I didn't really get to know him until I started doing television at MSG. And I started with him and I've really gotten to know him and appreciate him and respect him. And I'm sure you do also. And so I asked Molly, I said, Molly, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? And we, we're not sure. So, so I'm asking you your thoughts on him. Why isn't he there? I can't answer for our association, except for the fact that it's um, an unaccountable snub. It is disturbing to me. It angers me. Perhaps the people in our association are not aware of his history and view him more now as a television personality, which he essentially was the last, what, maybe 20 years of his career, uh, where he sort of wrote on the side, but he was a television guy um, doing, you know, intermission on, on, I guess, the Islander games and some uh, Devils games and uh, apparently, you know, occasionally Rangers games. But he has a history of, of journalism of his time, which, which his time began in the 50s, right? I read him I read him when I was growing up. <laughs> so Stan was a trailblazer in a lot of ways, and so was his wife. And Shirley Fischler probably deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame as well. So um, you're, you're asking the wrong person as, as to why, but I, I certainly hope the oversight is rectified in a timely manner. Larry, there's been a lot of talk about Brendan Smith recently. He scored the first goal of the Sabres game Tuesday, drew a timely penalty, which counted as his 19th of the season, which leads the entire NHL. And he's kind of stepped into a pretty prominent leadership role as well, taking the youngins under his wing and serving as a role model, too. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. What do you expect the Rangers to do with Smith and what would be the benefits slash repercussions of keeping him and or letting him go? Well, I think the Rangers are probably are probably going to take a look at offering him a one-year deal to come back as their seventh defenseman, ideally. I mean, you never know what happens in a season. You never know, who, you know, injuries and, and all. You don't know uh, which prospects are going to be ready until they prove they are. But I think at this point, you would pencil in Niels Lundqvist as their third right D if they can sign him. But I think that the best case scenario is that they sign Lundqvist and he's here as their third. It's not likely that Braden Schneider, who's another righty, would be ready at, at the age of 20. So I would, they're going to need a seventh defenseman. And ideally, you want a seventh defenseman who is experienced and who you can sit out you know, and, 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 and who will be able to handle that. 
So I think I think the likelihood is that the Rangers would extend a contract offer to Smith. But I also think that there's a pretty good chance that there are going to be teams who have watched Brendan Smith play, think they could think that he could help them as a top six guy, and he could get contract offers um, for more than one year from those teams. Um, I was just thinking, actually, that Seattle would be a perfect spot for Brendan Smith, you know, a, a team that's going to be looking for veterans, a team that's going to be looking for leadership and character types. I think the Rangers have a decision to make, but I think also Brendan has a decision to make. I think it's going to be his his call. You know, will he take less money to stay and and perhaps not play very much, or will he you know go for the money and go for the playing time? So I, I think it's going to be a mutual decision. I think I think both parties have perhaps different interests. Larry, in sticking about talking defensemen and talking the future of the defensemen with the Rangers, Keandre Miller. I'm watching this kid play, and he really stands out. He keeps getting better. A lot of it has to do with confidence, well-coached, and he really reminds me of Victor Hedman. And he plays strong. He's strong in the puck. He's got the length. He takes people out. But the one thing that I guess I'd like to bring up to you and your thoughts on this is never do you see him in any kind of confrontation with any player. Like, he plays strong, not too strong. He takes players out. But there's not once have I seen him in a push and shove or place where he might be fighting someone. None of that. So what do you what do you figure with that kind of guy? <laughs> Would you go up against know, a that... six foot five, two hundred pounder, Ron? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it, it's it's something I haven't thought of. It's a good point. I'm I'm not sure what to make of it. Is it his personality? Does he play clean? I <laughs> I don't know. I guess what I'm leading into or even just chatting about could he go a little bit harder because seldom a defenseman I don't care how big or small you are if you play tough enough hard enough and you're you're kind of a little bit mean from that net at one point you're going to get in a situation where you may have to drop the gloves and and really kind of chirping at, at someone so I guess is he really playing hard enough can he take it to another level or is it just fine playing the way he does yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would respond by saying, do you remember any confrontations between Adam Fox and, and an opponent? I mean, I, I know last week he got angry at a at a penalty call. I, I don't know that I remember Fox actually engaging in many confrontations with opponents either. I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 it's a good question. Um, I don't think that I feel comfortable saying whether Keandre Miller can kick it up a notch or not. You know, if he can, if he's got, I think he will become a more physical player as he becomes more experienced, as he becomes more confident. So if that's what you mean, then maybe. But I think, you know, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't say whether he could play harder. I, I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's something that I can say. Speaking of Adam Fox, Larry, pretty straightforward and simple question for you. What do you think are Adam Fox's chances of winning the Norris? I think they're probably slimmer than it, than it should be. You know, it's his second year in the league. And as I wrote uh, yesterday, and it was in today's uh, Wednesday's paper, that um, only one second-year defenseman has ever won the Norris Trophy, and that's Bobby Orr. And so it takes a little bit of time to create a name. But I, th I think overall, he is right there. You know, you can pick Victor Hedman, and you probably wouldn't be wrong. Uh, you would not be wrong if you picked Adam Fox. He's he's the team MVP as far as I'm concerned. He's Panarin is Panarin, but from the time Adam Fox stepped onto the ice last year as a rookie, 
he has probably been the Rangers' most consistent player. To a large extent, he's been the Rangers' most important player. And I think he is right there. I think he's deserving of the Norris. That doesn't mean that, that Hedman is not. You know, I don't see Victor Hedman 50 times, but I know how good Victor Hedman is. I know how good Cal McCarr is. I know how good Shea Theodore is. I know how good John Carlson is. No one is going to convince me that any of those players have had better seasons than Adam Fox has had in New York. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, you know, he if he winds up leading defensemen in scoring, that's a major component of Norris voting. You know his, you know his goals for and against percentage is is – one of the best in the league. You know, his minutes played is high. So he does everything. He does everything a Norris Trophy winner does. Question is, will he get enough votes? You know, has he had enough exposure? And will it help him if the Rangers make the playoffs? Larry, I can't let you go here because I know their listeners are, they want me to ask you, what do you think? Like the Rangers are going against the Islanders tonight. They have a two game series and they're five points behind. There's still a lot of hope out there with the Ranger fans. What do you think we're going to see in the next two games, especially after what we saw last game where they lost 6-1, to one, a game that you would think that the Rangers would have come out a lot stronger, a lot harder. What do you think we're going to see in the next two games? This game in particular. I mean, you know, we'll get to Sat. You know, Saturday's game will be influenced by the result of Thursday's game. But I think tonight is kind of provides a referendum on this team. It will illustrate i think and and, you know it it, it certainly is in simplistic terms you don't evaluate a team or a player on one game you know you just don't but because they were so bad against the islanders last week after sweeping the devils now they come up after sweeping the sabers i think it's on them to illustrate that they can play in these high stakes games against a tough opponent now the Islanders don't score. They just don't score. You know, Matt Barzell hasn't scored since April the 1st, but they scored six times against the Rangers last week. You know, I expect a very good performance from the Rangers on Thursday at the Garden. It would be crushing if they come up small, you know, win or lose. I think they need to stand up for themselves. I think they need a big game against the big-time opponent. And, and, the and you know, one of the problems is with, the hunt to make the playoffs is that the Islanders have two games left against the Devils and two games left against the Sabres. Bruins have two games left against the Devils and two games left against the Sabres. And the Rangers, after they finish with the Islanders, will have two games left with Washington and two games left with Boston. So you look at the schedule, I think you understand the degree of difficulty, but I think it's very important that the Rangers play well against the Islanders. All righty, Larry. Thanks for the time as always. We'll chat again next week. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Ronnie. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention. That's a wrap for episode 54, the Brandon Dubinsky edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Do us a solid and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. For number 10, Ron Duguay, I'm Molly Walker. We are back again next Thursday to preview the final few games. Thanks for listening.